love stopping by. Glad to have his man back. He, of course, is a screenwriter. He's a great author. His name is Roger L. Simon, and he's got a book out called The uh, American Refugees, The Untold Story of the Mass Exodus from Blue States to Red States. Really glad to have you back, Roger. How are you? I am fine, actually. Uh, I am, you know, trying to remain upbeat in a frightening world. I, I'm learning how to do it with God's help, I have to say. Well, you know, it is a frightening world because every day we appear to wake up to something else that just doesn't make any sense. You know, our whole lives, we've been waking up going, you know, at least we're in America and we agree on 80% of everything. But now we wake up and we're told by some entity out there that we should hate everybody and that America isn't so great and that we should decolonize and everything else. It, 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 tell me the difference between the Roger L. Simon of today and the guy who used to live in Hollywood and used to be in that in the mix out there. <laughs> Pretty big. <laughs> uh, you know, well, the Roger L. Simon of today just woke up this morning to find a friend was arrested. Oh, man. A friend being Steve Baker, uh, who's uh, also a writer, also a guy who was formerly a musician, formerly probably a little bit on the left, too, but no right. longer. In fact, I know so because a friend of mine, so I know that. But the. I mean, when your friends are getting arrested for just uh, reporting the news, honestly, he was you know, in J6 as a journalist. They claim right. he wasn't a journalist. It's all a complete lie. The, um, you realize that they can come for you. So that, no, exactly. Yeah. It's, it's a world that we never thought that we would see. Now, we talked about this story off the top of the show. Uh, Steve, of course, works with the Blaze, yes. was, arrest, was arrested in Dallas because he dared go and document what was happening on January 6th. And if you look at the, the arrest, the indictment, I mean, he doesn't do anything violent at all. Doesn't, uh, as far as I know, do anything more than Jamal Bowman did by breaking the rules, by pulling that fire alarm inside of Congress. But they, but they had to make a big spectacle out of it. They announced that they were going to arrest him, that he was turning himself in and he had to dress a certain way. It, 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 this is just intimidation, right, Roger? Yeah, well, they're harassing people uh, who are anywhere to the right of Trotsky. Yeah, exactly right. <laughs> and, uh, uh, including me. I mean, they've been harassing me forever. I mean, but not this badly. But I could. Uh, I'm prepared for it to happen. I, you know, I, you know, I, I think about my wife and family all the time in that regard. Right. For myself, I don't care that much. I'm an old guy. What they can do with me? <laughs> but, but well, they could probably do something. Yeah. You know, they take a lesson from a mosque. So they can do a lot. But, yeah, exactly. uh, but uh, you know, that's. You know, where we are today, but there is good news, too. There's a lot of good news. I mean, the polls are showing Trump ahead in every swing state. Uh, I, you know, much as I love Trump, and I understand you're going to be talking to him soon. Yes. Uh, the, my biggest fear is we rely on him too much. I mean, we rely on his victory too much. I mean, it's not, not that's a no criticism of him personally. Right. It's the situation. No, I think you're right. I think we put all the eggs in one basket, and then, then what happens when it doesn't happen? Like in 2020, whether they stole it, whether it was on the up and up, whatever the heck happened, we were putting our trust in Trump, and it, di it didn't get us there. And now for the past three years, we've lived in a place that we never thought America would be. It's Roger L. Simon, American Refugees is the book. It's been out since January, the untold story of the mass exodus from blue states to red states. Go and get this book right now. He's also he's a writer on the Epic Times as well. Some people say Epoch. I say Epic. Either uh, way, it's E-P-O-C-H. 
uh, the people who say Epoch are British snobs, but you know <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> we don't the, criticize them. The Epoch fact, Times, yeah, yes, it's you know, you know we want to, the senior editors there. I'm editor at large, right? So I'm free to do anything I want. <laughs> it's uh, uh, well, it's Epoch Times if I want. Exactly right. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go with Epic. We'll see what happens. About the Epoch Times, however you want to pronounce it, it's the number four in subscriptions in the United States. That's great. Which is kind of amazing because it came out of nowhere. And, uh, the three ahead of it, the, uh, the worst of all is the New York Times. Right. Oh, uh, but the third place, Washington Post, is about tied. And then in the middle there is the Wall Street Journal, which used to be pretty great, but uh, <laughs> we have quite. Uh, listen, I've written for all of them, so I have some background. Well, I think the editorial page on the, on the Wall Street uh, Journal is still pretty good, uh, but, <laughs> but everything else is, is not so much. It's uh, Roger L. Simon. Let me ask you this. You've made some of the greatest movies we've ever seen, the screenwriter. Um, uh, for these movies, I incredible stuff. What would you do if if you were not sort of blacklisted, or if you were welcomed in Hollywood to compete equal handedly with the woke crowd and the unwoke crowd? What kind of movie could be made today that you think people would really eat up and really like? Well, I I, I will do talk out of school, and what I will say <laughs> is what uh, I've been cooking up. Okay, uh, but very early stages because it's the biggest project I ever had, film wise, actually. Okay which is a kind of daring thing to do when they're threatening to blacklist you. And, and the, the, I think that the, um, the, the greatest movie for our time could be the story of Whitaker Chambers. Uh, you know, not necessarily based on Witness, because Wit the Witness, his autobiography is uh, under the control of his grandson, who is a liberal, and he doesn't right. let anybody have it. But you can still follow his story, because his story is his story. And it is a story of a man who started out a lefty from a lower middle class family in New York, uh, ended up going to Columbia, he was very smart, he uh, he went so far to the left he became a spy for the Soviet Union. Oh wow. But in the process, in the process he saw how bad it was, and he also discovered that his friend Alger Hiss was who was very high in the State Department and probably one of Franklin D. Roosevelt's closest advisors was also right. spying for the Soviet Union. Mm. And when he tried, he he sort of he didn't know what to do because he was a good man. He became very Christian, by the way, in the process, right. uh, which is very interesting too. And he realized communism was horrible, but he couldn't turn his friend his in because he was his buddy. And his wife, and they all used to have dinner together. You know, it was a real conflict. What a and story. then, and then though, he, I'm making a really interesting long story short, in which Nixon was also involved in ways that we don't know about Nixon. It was already a good Nixon in this case. What happened was he was forced into a situation where he had to go against Hicks, uh, against Alger Hiss, and he revealed. Uh, secret communiques which he had hidden in his pumpkin. It became the famous pumpkin papers case in the 1950s. It, it sounds made up, doesn't it? It, it sounds, sounds made funny, up. but it's all true. Yeah. And that's why it's fun to write, because I would have to make a thing up. <laughs> anyway. No, no I, I would love it. And listen, this sounds and like an again, amazing project. You know what the, the final part of the story is? What happened to this man who started a communist? He ended up uh, the editor of the National Review. In the 50s. Well, there you go. I mean, it was a real migration of politically and religiously both so you know what a th what a story to tell 
American public now. Hollywood would probably lose their shirts over it. No, I would, I would imagine. I don't but, mean financially because I think right. it would be a very successful movie. Well, I think they lose their minds over it, to be honest yeah, with you. Yeah, so, so uh, what's the, how does it work, Roger? You sit down and say, I'm going to write a screenplay, or do you sit down and say, I'm going to write a book, I'll make it a screenplay? How, how, does, how does the well, process I work? Do anything. But in this particular case... Uh, uh, because it's a historical piece and it, w it cannot be made for a, a small amount of money. I mean, it's going to cost millions of dollars to make. Right. Uh, it's sort of like uh, Oppenheimer. Right. Uh, because it's a similar period, really, that, uh, you you know, first of all, I would insist on being paid for the writing because it would take me at least a year to do it right. I mean, right. Exactly. this is not an avocation. This is a vocation. And there's a double reason for it. I'm privileged at this point in my life. Uh, I, I could retire if I want to, but retirement equals death to me, so I'd never retire. But right. I won't be retiring either, ever. I know, it's yeah. a bad idea. In fact, the statistics tell you that <laughs> it does equal death. Anybody People who retire go off much faster than those who don't. Right. But, but And for the reasons are obvious. But anyway, besides that, <laughs> what you have is you want to have people have skin in the game and something like this um you want to know this is a professional because i am somewhat skeptical i hate to say it even though epoch times does it uh i think that that documentaries work pretty well online and these uh, I'm, I'm in one which is going to open in a few days uh, about hollywood and china and epoch times that are having a premiere in la which i decided not to go to but it but it but it, they did a very nice job and they do nice jobs on do documentaries so does daily wire other people but when they get into fiction areas it's it's not as big as i don't think it's successful right uh, i'm working with a man you may know called nick cersei uh, this. Oh, yeah, but, uh, definitely friends with Nick. He's a good guy. Yeah, he's a fine guy. And he's one of the original members of the Friends of Abe, as I am. The Friends of Abe was a, a quote, subversive, unquote, Hollywood conservative organization that was right. founded by uh, Gary Sinise. And... Um, so, you know, you want to do this thing in a way that goes into theaters and makes some noise. Otherwise, it's way too much effort for for the results. Yeah, we've, we've had uh, Gary on the show. He lost his son last week, which is horrible. So and, and we wish him, terrible. Yeah, we wish him nothing but prayers and, and, and hopefully a healing with the family. Nick, we saw at the premiere of Police State, Dinesh D'Souza's movie at Mar-a-Lago. Yes. Um, I went there. I actually opened the show with, uh, I played the, the national anthem on my saxophone. And uh -huh. I, got to hang out, I got to hang out with Nick a little bit there. He's just a good guy. We've had him on several times nick is like you nick doesn't care in the best possible way i don't care if you attack me i've already got this body of work you want to attack me i'm still a great screenwriter for you know these great movies you want to attack me you're still a great actor i was in these shows and these movies yeah. and i think we, we need more people like you and nick because um the talent is so available but i think a lot of people are afraid whereas you're not yeah well both nick and i share one thing we're older <laughs> don't tell anybody in your life. anyway the, the, uh, but the other thing, in my case, you know, when I started PJ Media back in around 2003-04, right. you know, people started to attack me right and left. So I'm sort of used to it now. This, this is a bald head of leather. <laughs> it bounces back to you. You know, I, I, you know, I still at the Epoch <laughs> Times in the comic sections get anti-Semites. I get this or that. I go, eh. 
I go next. <laughs> it's only effective if, if it's effective, and that's that's true. If it rolls off your back, it doesn't do anything to you. They're going to move on. It's it's Roger L. Simon. You get this book. It's called American Refugees. You mentioned Nixon, and let me ask you because um, I've I've examined this a lot, and I'm not a screenwriter. I'm not a movie maker. Never will be. But as a screenwriter or a movie maker, if I came to you and I said, "Here's a bunch of money, make the movie about Richard Nixon," is he a protagonist or an antagonist? Who is who is Richard uh, Nixon he, if you write him? He is that very interesting thing of a little bit of both. Okay. So, uh, you know, and movies, really good movies are made about people like that. I I, I wouldn't want to jump into a movie about Nixon right now. I mean, okay. I'm willing to read a good book about him. I, I think he's an interesting personality. And if you put him into the uh, into the story of Alger Hiss, because he was sort of the his bigger backer, biggest backer, right. in congressional testimony. Uh, this was the young Nixon when he was still a congressman. Uh, he was very sharp. You can read the testimony I have. I mean, he was uh, very good at what he did. I mean, Nixon's problem was the kind of paranoia that, uh, you know, <laughs> got into a, an absurd mess. If you look at right. Watergate now, you, you go, it look, it's, it's like so small change to what's yes. going on now. And no, without a doubt. And I think the word paranoia is exactly right. I think Nixon was a very good president and had the potential to be the uh, one of the best we've ever had. Until his paranoia caught up and he started doing things he didn't have to do. If he shuts his mouth, this thing probably goes away. But instead, he got all involved. Let's shut it down. And then he's being recorded. And the, the whole thing was was a setup by the FBI to get Nixon. Exactly. And they got him. And yeah. they got him through a couple of people who couldn't report their way out of a wet, <laughs> a wet paper bag at the Washington Post. You know, these these guys, you know, uh, Woodward and Bernstein, they're, they're not good reporters. They were handed this stuff from the number two guy I, I at the FBI. Theory. I have a theory about Woodward and Bernstein. Of course, I I think a, a they wrecked journalism yes, because agreed. they turned journalism into some kind of high calling that you could get the president. But what? But they were basically was were guys who knew how to answer the phone. Right. That's all. They That's did. all they did. <laughs> <laughs> and then they met this guy, Fink, or whatever the hell his name was, the Deep Throat, Felt. Um, and, and at the end of the day, they took all the credit for it, and they're writing books even to the to today as if we should read them. I wouldn't read one word they wrote because, again, they were, they were like a couple of janitors. They answered the phone one day. No, they weren't janitors, but they were like they were like beat reporters that nobody knew. Yeah. I've met Bernstein a few times. I, I, Have you? Yeah. Does he still I, walk you know, around with that surliness? Bernstein's, you know, ex-wife, Nora. It, it, no, does he still walk around with that surliness like, yeah, I took down Nixon? Because uh, I think they, they made their entire lives yeah, about that. Exactly. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, he's got a, a weight problem to beat the band. I mean, there you like go. the minor overweight is serious. And that's always, I hate to say it, I think that's a problem of the mind, usually. Oh, of course. And, um, you know, so that tells you something about him. He's also very militantly left still about the most idiotic stuff. I mean, so you know, he's the kind of person who might still think you know, Trump, Russia was, well, there was some truth to it or some kind of horse. So it's, it's whatever, whether he wants to do, you know, uh, you know, but he did answer the phone. Good for him. <laughs> no, exactly right. They answered the phone. They happened to be there and they went and did it. And suddenly they were the most incredible reporters. They reported nothing. They literally just said, this is what the guy gave us. And by the way, the number two guy, I interviewed the biographer of this guy felt um, he didn't want to take down Nixon. Nixon took himself down. Well, Nixon yeah. didn't have to get involved. He could have just stayed out of it and said, let them do their their investigation. I had nothing yeah, to do with yeah, it. But yeah, instead... It, 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 
He started covering yeah. things up for no reason. Yeah, that was with the paranoia factor set yeah. in, and it was, you know, I guess it's part of who he is. I mean, yeah. yeah, you can't deny that. He did it. <laughs> Have you got an opinion, and it's Roger L. Simon, get his book, it's called American Refugees, been out since January, make sure you go and get this book right now. Have you got an opinion on why things changed so dramatically in 40 years? You've got Ronald Reagan, who, according to the Heritage Foundation, was about as, if not a little less conservative as Trump. You had Ronald Reagan, who had a, an animosity-filled media like Sam, uh, Sam Donaldson from ABC, but he handled them so much better, so much differently. Is there a different, do you think, protocol when it comes to those who cover a president of the United States then and now because Reagan was able to tell a story and get everybody on his side whereas Trump will be attacked for two straight hours by these you know Jim Acosta's of the world well you know that interesting that you asked that question because I, I'll give you a Hollywood story to answer sure. it and the Hollywood story is this that years ago 1980s I think it was around 85 three, 4 something like that okay. I was hired uh, by a Hollywood studio to write a comedy for Whoopi Goldberg uh, about Whoopi as a member of the White House press corps, har, har, har. Anyway, wow. So, okay, so I meet Whoopi, who was kind of an odd duck in those days, not quite <laughs> as nuts as she is today. Right. And, and then uh, I... I got that, you know, in those days, Hollywood just spent money like water. I mean, unbelievable. But they were making it, too. So right, I, right. I, I was sent to D.C. and they laid out the red carpet for me in every way. I met all the people at the beginning of CNN and all these other things. And I also, you know, I met Marlon Fitzwater, who was then the. Yeah. The you know the um, the what's her name KPJ of today <laughs> the, the the press secretary right the press secretary yeah. uh, who turned out to be a great guy I mean I was a Democrat then so I'm going what is this? why are these people so good <laughs> you're going to want to hear the rest of that story it's Roger L Simon he's an incredible screenwriter he's an author he's got a new book out go have, uh, go and get it right now and I'll post the entire thing up on Rumble later keep it on the Joe Pag show stay here. Joe Pags. You've got to catch the rest of that story with Roger L. Simon. I will post it up on Rumble tonight. Rumble.com slash Joe Pags. Rumble.com slash J-O-E. P-A-G-S. If you want to tell me your questions for President Trump, don't be DMing me. What's wrong with you? Just go to uh, either TikTok at Joe Pags at J-O-E-P-A-G-S, no punctuation. Or you can go to um, Instagram. It's up there to Joe Talk Show, J-O-E-T-A-L-K-S-H-O-W. Appreciate you hanging out this week. Keep in mind, make plans to join us Monday, President Trump right here. That's Sam, that's Polo, that's Carrie. I'm Joe. Have a great weekend. We'll talk to you soon. Bye. This is the Joe Pags Show.